Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back. Does, do you guys recognize that Simeon always opens the show like that? Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's like your Martin. What's up? What's up? What's up? Okay, and action. And action. Uh, hey guys, it's another episode of Mixed Company. I'm not sure what episode number this is. 16? Six, it's something like that. 16. Yeah. We're official. Like, yeah, we're, last we're was our king say. Last was our king say. Now it's we're our sweet 16. Um, so that's good. Um, so here we are. I'm Simeon. You got Kai here. I'm Karina. And we have a special guest in the room. Miss Nisha Tweed. Bell. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, who I've been trying to get in here for a while, but that's okay. It's busy. You are busy. Yeah. Um, 16's the charm. 16 is the charm. Good things happen at 16. A lot of people use lose their virginity at 16. I was going to say great <laughs> things happen yeah. at 16. I was going to say drive. I know. <laughs> I was like a permit? Like <laughs> in that order. Yeah, Wonderful. We all, we all had goals. Uh, but Nisha Tweed uh, Bell is a creative strategist. Um, can I say where you work? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a creative strategist at Facebook. Um, disclaimer, all of her views are her own. And nothing <laughs> 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 have nothing to do with uh, that big company that we all know in the sky. I love uh, my job. <laughs> she's been in advertising for over 10 years and has worked at uh, McGarry Bowen, Publicis, Kaplan Thaler, Global Hue, and Ogilvy and & Mather. And she's also taught writing at the Miami Ad School for three years. And uh, I'm skimming through her yeah, bio, I'm done, and I'm, I'm doing a really bad job at this. She's <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Yay. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that that maybe um, he might have missed? or the background. And have been involved in a lot of DNI stuff, such as the four A's, MAPE, and um, Ad Color, and... Um, have a blog called Baby Food for Creatives that's um, a resource for young creatives. Yes, very good resource. Um, so fun story, I've known Nisha for a while. Um, <laughs> but one of the stories that I told here on the podcast, which was about the night that I cursed out that entire room, that was the same night that I met Nisha on a bar stool and I was really angry. And Nisha was just like, calm down. No. <laughs> please, please calm down. And we've been friends ever since. Yeah. So happy to have you here. Happy for all of you to be here. We are nearing the end of the year. I know. After there this, we have one more episode. There and are, yeah, very few weeks left. It's been a good season, but uh, let's kick this podcast podcast off with uh, dope things. Who has dope things for the week for the year month? Um, I don't have a real, I don't have like an article or anything awesome. Although I did see that walking up, so just so you guys know where, I guess, in, what what part of New York do we call this? This is not so East Village-ish. It's East Village-ish, and I was walking from Lower East Side all the way up here, and I did see that there's like a virtual reality uh, cinema thing and like I was I thought I was late but then I recognized who my co 
co-hosts are so i could have slowed down to <laughs> read more but it looked really cool and it looks like you can watch movies in um, virtual reality so i'm gonna sure. take a look at that when i was walking right up bowery so i'm gonna take a look at that and maybe that'll be my dopish for next week but my real dope ish or something that i've been considering since i'm fresh off the uh i guess it's not really a boat but fresh off a plane from cuba a few weeks ago um, by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be old news, but Fidel Castro passed away. Um, and what I took from that is one of the things that I was in awe of during my trip was the, um, pretty much, I guess what they would call like the propaganda game. Um, it's very restricted out there, obviously under, um, I consider it a fake communist, communist country. Um, it's not necessarily as strict as one would imagine. However, I'm excited to see what, how, I guess, communications is going to change in Cuba as a whole with the borders opening to the United States citizens. Um, a few months ago, I actually saw that, who was it? I think it might've been Ad Week or Advertising Week actually hosted a trip to Cuba, um, a cultural trip to Cuba. So. Aside from the politics that that are surrounding uh, Fidel Castro's death, um, I do have a sense that there is going to be a rejuvenation of communications, advertising, culture, mm-hmm. propaganda, etc. Um, in the country. So I'm looking forward to see what that means for us in the United States and for uh, the different. Um, different groups, different racial groups, rather, that are there in Cuba. Um, Because what people don't talk about is that there are Cubans consider themselves Cubans, but they are broken down racially just as they are here in the United States. So, um, yeah, my nerd senses were tingling when when I saw that. Doesn't that make you a little nervous that people, once they open the borders, that people are going to start trying to gentrify Cuba? Absolutely. I mean, low-key, though, like, a lot of what I saw, there there was, like, it wasn't gentrification the way we see it here in the States or at least in Brooklyn or if you go to Minnesota or in Austin and cities like that. But if you go to, uh, I went to Montanza, which is close to Varadero, which is like their beach town. And you can see like the areas that are Europeanized, if you will, you can tell the difference. Like Havana, old Havana, beautiful, looks very much so how you would imagine it to look. You drive an hour and a half West, it is a completely different place with grocery stores and mini marts that look like CVS and your local um, Circle K or whatever gas station you have by your house. And I was like, oh, snap, this kind of looks like Miami on the turnpike somewhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how quickly things will change because I know there are a lot of people that have been wanting it and there are a lot of greedy capitalists that have been tr- dying to get their hands on, uh, Cuba. So because a few celebrities, like while I was there, they were, were you just, there with the Kardashians? I'm just nah, kidding. You probably um, were though. But one of the dudes who was walking me around, he showed me like a gallery that Jennifer Lopez owns, mm. which is kind of backwards because if you're not Cuban, you shouldn't be able to buy Cuban property. But there were some, well, there was some that Raul Castro, from a lot of stuff I, that I was reading uh, since 2013, there's a lot of property that he was opening up for foreigners to invest in. Mm-hmm. And it's very selective. Like, they pick and choose who they want to own property there. So 
you know, depending on who you are, a Jennifer Lopez or somebody like that, Got yeah, it. you you get the first pick. But um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be some interesting things to come. And I go back in February, so I'll tell you all about it then. You fancy, real classy. These two hundred dollar tickets, man. Yeah. That's it's easier to get there than than to get to L. A. Do you think people will go back? People who've tried to come, who've come here. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Will go back. There's a lot of people that are that are gonna want to go back. I don't think that I don't think people recognize that like. Who's gonna stop them? It's not about who's gonna stop them. Like the Castro family is still in power. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just Fidel. Like he was definitely the figurehead. But since like he started getting sick like ten years ago, he passed on a lot of his power to his his brother Raul. Um, I believe while we were down there, I heard his niece is in charge of tourism. So they've been reaching out, uh, and that's why a lot of young people have been drawn to coming to Cuba and celebrities, etc. So. It's just going to be different. Um, but for me, from like a, a media, marketing, advertising, communications point of view, I'm thinking that it's going to be some drastic things to come in the next year and, and beyond. So back to Facebook, because that's been my source of news lately. You've been and posting some great stuff. Thanks, friends. I try. I try to look at my sources. That was a big thing. That's very important. <laughs> very, very important. <laughs> So I don't know if you saw it. There's um, a chi- uh, child. There's a freshman at Yale University who has been in protest in front of the John Calhoun building. John Calhoun is known to be a slave owner, and he also bought a building in the, at Yale University. So he, the freshman, has dressed up. I don't want to say dressed up, for lack of clothing, um, as a slave, and has stood in front of the building. Um, if you haven't seen the video yet, there's the, he, the, it doesn't show any negative reactions. Like there are people from different ethnicities and races hugging him, taking pictures, um, giving him like literature and things like that. But it's quite aggressive, and I think it goes in in line what we're going to talk about today. Um, just bringing forth the issues and being more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Aggressive as coming to the forefront, not necessarily being aggressive in the way that you would protest. And I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I think it was like last year, uh, someone had smashed a window at Yale University. Oh, yeah. So I don't know, they should be on the lookout for more protests mm-hmm. from more slave owned buildings, but it was <coughs> interesting to me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I saw that. Do you have any? things that you would like to share? What's, what's on your mind, Nisha? <laughs> <laughs> the weight of the world. Um, so my joke-ish is earlier this month, a young lady at Wharton, I actually think she's a undergrad, hosted the first ever Black Ivy League student business conference. Hmm. Um, and I was really impressed because it was something that didn't exist. And I feel like she said, why don't we have this? And then like, oh, I should just do it and got a team together and made it happen. And I was just, um, I spoke on a panel there about um, corporate activism, for lack of a better term, of like how in your work you can be an activist and stand up for things. Um, And either way, overall, I was so impressed. She had people come in from, and I shouldn't say just her because she had a team, but folks came in from Harvard, Yale, like pretty much all of the, the Ivy League schools and Morgan Stanley sponsored and like, I mean, the content was legit. So I was super duper impressed. 
That was nice. I was I, at one point in time in the room, I was just like, I feel dumb. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah, 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 I spoke there. Oh, yeah. You did say that. Yeah. You it's okay. You, you learn how to listen. You, you did say that. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm shoot. Very sorry. This is going to be great. Sometimes <laughs> Maybe. My man genes, uh, they prevent me from being listen, man. who I want to be. <laughs> Don't start. You're a working Not with the man genes. Yeah. I can't. Kai and I have been having a very intense discussion about Insecure all day, so she's. Listen, I'm in my feelings. I don't. By the time people hear this, hopefully everybody has seen it. So just know that I'm in my feelings, and I've told Simeon about himself and all men, okay. on behalf of all Issa's and Molly's of the world. So, yes, you and your man jeans can go kick rocks, even though okay. she's wrong. I don't care. Okay. Just go <laughs> kick rocks. Um, my dope thing for the week is um, something that. Could See? Oh, look at Look at me. that. Two and one. K N N. Yeah, you mad corny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not yeah, even actually you mad corny. Oh man. I'll be here. I don't know why this name is killing me right now. Uh, but it's the Maisha doll, which is mm-hmm. a black doll that was created by a Saint Lucian model. Um, if you guys remember a few months ago, I was looking for a doll for my niece. American doll. Yes. They're the American doll girl dolls. They didn't have kinky hair. Her hair wasn't kinky enough. It for wasn't kinky oh, enough for me. So because um, as a man, hair is only supposed to be one texture, the one you prefer. <laughs> well, here's 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 the thing. Here's I know. I wanted the hair of the doll to be Imagine. as close in texture to yeah. your niece. Their hair as yeah. possible. Because p- even if you even if you are black and you start talking about the different hair textures, it's not necessarily that you want European hair texture. You can, like, be struggling trying to get another kind of A Afro different curl. Yeah, pattern. yeah. So there's, like, I, I wanted it to Are you a 4C or, or, or a yeah, yeah, I'm like, 3B. I wanted it to be a 4C. <laughs> yeah. Wait. <laughs> yeah. You want okay. it to be kinky. Uh, you know yeah. what? I'm impressed. Yeah. So you, I don't know my, my curl classification. So the fact that Girl, you are a 3B. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> she just told you that. Exactly. So yeah, like these, these dolls uh, from they call them Aisha doll, and they were designed by a Saint Lucian model, and I think they're sh- they're made in South Africa. Nice. Um, but they're really dope, and they come in like they have four different dolls with four different hair textures and four different skin tones, and they look real black and real black, and I like that. So, um, it's only I'm... real if she comes in her own bottle of pink lotion. Like, I hope nobody comes with a bottle of pink lotion. <laughs> oh, what? Right. The Kenya dolls yeah. used to come with a small bottle no, of pink lotion. Yeah, no, they need to come with like Cantu or oh, That's too expensive for your doll. <laughs> I need dollar nine. store product quality for my dolls. Leave in conditioner. That would actually be a good marketing. For for that? for That's what the cross yeah. promotion used to yeah. be for the Kenya dolls. I'm going to talk to them pink? about it. Oh, that's right. They did have the pink lotion. That's how I knew how to grease a good scalp. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn how to braid, put in some beads, hey. paint some kente cloth. Lynn. Listen, can you taught me some things? <laughs> but that's good. Are yeah. you going to get her that for Christmas? Yeah, I'm going to get that. And then take her to see Roots or watch the 13th together? <laughs> I feel like that's really cultural. That'd be a nice, that'd be a nice uh, for you, too. Yeah. I don't think they're old enough for Oh, wait. The new Roots is actually Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's I mean, really it's intense. Yeah. It's so yeah, take them to it. That's the one. That's good. 
after you take them to the museum and watch them. Ah, yes. 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 It'll be the blackest. <laughs> like, and then you yeah, eat some jollof rice and some yes. chicken. Yes. It'll be good. Ghanaian like or Nigerian? Nigerian, right? Nigerian. Oh, okay. Okay. You like it. I have to, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love seeing that because. The jollof rice? No, not jollof rice. It's about toys, man. Why is there food? Listen. Thanksgiving just passed, man. I said that was food, and he was like, yes, tell me more. That's funny. No, I love looking at toys like that because, you know, looking at um, my significant others, like nieces and nephews, like a child's self esteem is just mm-hmm. so fragile. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I mean, fragile may be the wrong word. It's just so preliminary, it's just so new that you want to do everything you can to shape it in the most positive direction. So I like that. That's why I posted it, and then you saw it, and I did it. So. You did. Thanks, Karina. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So we don't have any list of the letters this week, but uh, you guys know that you can email us at uh, askmixedcompany at gmail, and that's A-S-K-M-I-X-E-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y at, <laughs> at gmail. I'm sad that you're a copywriter. <laughs> Listen. I'm embarrassed for you. Mm. Make it a 2017. She resolution. said it, not me. <laughs> but you I'm know what? Pivot. It's, it's been a long day. It's, 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 been a it's long definitely day. been a long day, but I, I will also admit that I believe in spell check. And that, <laughs> that's, I, I'm, I'm not a good speller. I'm not gonna lie to you. I overheard a conversation with two of my coworkers today trying to spell ascend, and neither of them were right. But one of them was like, "How can we get us close enough?" The word is completely wrong though. Google won't know but, like that's what I'm saying. Like they, they were trying to get it close enough that spell check would catch it. Uh, but I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that not bad. <laughs> I'm not that bad. I feel like everybody has their word. I have my word that I try to get close for spell check. You, you don't tell you. But if you already know what it is, why don't you just know how to spell it? Because I keep forgetting. <laughs> like I before you what? <laughs> well that's that should just be. Listen, you are not in the yeah. in the movement to judge right now. You're not in the position to judge me. Well, I, I practice I before E except after C. But you still use spell check. Not okay. for not for okay. I before okay. E except okay. after C. Okay. There's sometimes <laughs> when I'm like, it don't even matter. Let's go. We're going to proceed into our hot topic for the day. Um, Yay! And I think for a lot of people, we can all agree that 2016 has been a very, very, very I will say that I never. Said I that. had a really good year yeah. personally, <laughs> so, but culturally, yeah, yeah. it was some Cultu- shit. Culturally, it's been shit. A, a it's been lot, taxing. A lot of challenging things yeah. have happened. I refuse to say that it's been shitty because I feel like that's me being ungrateful. Oh, good point. Good point. See, this is, this is why we that have. That was the word at church <laughs> yesterday. Shout out to Emmanuel Baptist. That was the word. Yeah. You gotta know when you when you have enough to get you through the day. Sorry, it was a really good word. That's and this, word. listen, this is that, clearly that a message I need to take. It did. Listen, I go ahead. Went to church mm-hmm. Listen, I'll invite I you next Sunday. While, <laughs> I'm back from vacation. I can go back to church. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Just uh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Bye but uh, since sorry. Uh, since the start of this podcast, like, and we've started, and when we started the podcast, we started saying that this is all about solution venting. All right. So, and we've done a lot of venting. Day bay. A lot of it. Yes. Over the course of uh, 15 episodes. Um, 
And I think one of the things that we notice, or not that we notice, but there have been major shifts, um, some good, some bad. One of the good ones is that a lot of clients have been demanding more diversity. And it's not just at, they're not just saying it at face value, it's actually saying like, we want to see your numbers. Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. We want to see these people at the table. We just don't want to hear like, oh, we're, we're doing things. Like we actually want to see things. Um, and bad things, Trump, I think been the, <laughs> like we, like it doesn't need any explanation, but I feel like for <laughs> for all of us, like like these things affect what we do. Like right. it affects yes. the conversations that we're having. Um, because one thing that uh, that I think we can all agree on, as far as when it comes to Trump, is that what happens what happened, people going out and voting for this dude who clearly says racist and misogynistic things is that they didn't care like they went and they voted anyway and these are the, these are the same people that we work next to um, whether we like to acknowledge that or not um, or they're related to the people that we work next to and so we, we all share the same space um, so this episode is going to be less about the venting and more about the solution because I think we've, we've spent a lot of time going over all the things that are wrong. Um, and I think one of the things that we can all recognize, especially coming off of Nisha's dope-ish book for the week, which is if you're noticing that something is wrong, um, at what point do you stop and say, well, why am I waiting for somebody else to do it? What can I do mm. to um, solve this? Be the change. Right. And so um, when I want to like uh, just go over this high-level um, article that I read that has some points about ways that employees can support diversity and inclusion. I think these points are really good because they're not just, I think whether you work in advertising or you work somewhere else or you're just a citizen, these are good points that anyone can implement in their lives. And one of them is know the diversity goals and visions and vision of your organization and its connection to the overall business objectives. Uh, Two, participate in employee engagement surveys and respond as openly and honestly as possible. Three, take part in or start an employee resource group, volunteer to chair or serve on committees that organize diversity-related events, become culturally fork, become culturally competent, take the time to learn about different cultures, races, religions, Background uh, and that represents your colleagues. Uh, five, communicate and educate diversity. Oh God, that's a typo. Uh, but all of these points that I just hit on, they're all about action. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that we've been missing from our conversation is action. Like, not necessarily all of it because we do talk about solutions, but what can each of us be doing to actually affect change? I don't think that we don't talk about it. I don't think that we've had an episode that focused on on this. So I think that's where this episode starts to benefit. Like, this is this is us exhaling. We've been waiting to exhale, and we now have a chance to exhale because I do think that when we end off, we do discuss next steps. But I think there's a difference um, with articulating what your activism is and what your activism looks like walking in um, on one of the offices I saw a poster that said the best way to complain is to make something and that's the only poster that caught my eye but I was happy that it caught my eye because I was like yeah that's real 
a lot of it was it, behind you? No, it was actually on another <laughs> door. But look, I'm telling you, there's the this is the message. the Lord is speaking to me, y'all. He is just speaking to me. Message. The best way to complain is to make things. Is to make things, and that's because complaining doesn't actually do anything. Like physically, I think it it can be helpful to you. Just got to get some stuff off your chest. But eventually, what as a human, as a person, as a spirit, whatever, what you want is change. What you want is things to be better. What you want to do is feel more comfortable. So, so yeah, so this kind of conversation makes sense. Um, so I just want to start off by asking everybody, like, do you see any link between the diversity issues within the, within the advertising industry and what just happened with the election? Like, do you see any, like, links, like, direct links between the two of those things? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so... No, I know it the sounds election like election or a post-election. Well, I think Both, I know it sounds like it. an like an obvious question, but I think I don't think I think one of the things that we all miss as a society is the connection because no one saw that coming. Everyone, well, not even him. Every everyone was <laughs> like, <laughs> it's yeah, like going for the job just yeah. to be yeah. petty and like wait, he, I really he got it. The election was rigged until he won, and then he right. was like, oh, okay. he's still saying it's rigged. He said it today. Yeah, he said people voted illegally. Here's my thing. <laughs> He's so petty. Pope, look at. I'll tell you how my how I think about it. Pre-election, you know he. It's well, all it's all connected. It is, but this is how I I see it. Pre-election, you know it's like people think this way. There are people who probably think in these racist, misogynist ways, and you know whatever, and it's gravitating whatever. The election actually happens. We have proof that actually people do really think this way, and now people are voting. Post-election, it's like, to me, people are, it's either they have the freedom to say what they want to say, they have, or they're, they've gotten into this action mode where they see like the, the ways of the world, and they want to correct it, they want to be part of that activism how long that fire stays we will see and then the other part is there are actually people who are afraid of status quo you haven't seen um the article that tony morrison um was talking about is that and and i this is how i envision it that people are afraid of status quo people are afraid that they are losing privilege men are afraid that they are losing their white privilege Mm -hmm. and they and they can see it happening and this is a way to protect, it's like a very a survivalist idea. So that's how I see it throughout this whole campaign. So do you and do I see that? And that's the whole point why we. Well, I mean, that's not the whole point, but we do focus that, and especially in advertising, because in one episode we were talking about challenging the status quo. When people think the other day, I was thinking, you know, when people think about diversify the place, they think it's like blacken up the place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they're afraid of that word. Or they'll diversify a spot to a certain extent. Or why do we have to watch how many minorities we bring into an office? You know what I mean? You're challenging the status quo. And when you're challenging it, on top of it, someone is feeling endangered. Who's feeling endangered? I think now we are coming to the point where we can say, well, you know, it's kind of white privilege. Well, you know, we, we, it's in there. It's the elephant in the room. But now all of these events have transpired now someone feels okay it's time to say something i see that i see that a lot in um especially in the 
idea of white privilege, I think one of the things that I saw that was really interesting that parallels the advertising industry and just kind of what's happening right now is a lot of people, a lot of white people especially, didn't have to think about some of the things that Trump was saying or the policies that he could put in place or like several of that stuff. They didn't have to think about it. They don't ever have to think about it. I've had a couple of conversations with white people who were just like, oh, yeah, I guess I could see how you'd be scared as a black person, as a woman, as an immigrant. Oh. And I'm like, oh, never once did it occur to you mm -hmm. that maybe that this is a dangerous you know, area that we're going into, but they don't have to think about it. And I think a lot of times in the agencies um, and companies in general, a lot of the powers that, that be, because they don't have to think about it, they don't think about it and unless somebody is there, whether it's an, a, an outside force or an internal force that's forcing you to think about it, then you're not really going to. So um, I think that's why it's really important that we need to be vocal, we need to be present, and we need to be awesome. Cool. I think the other thing to to answer that the question about like the connection between the election, and you said advertising or just? I mean. Because I, I think there is a tie specifically to advertising as well. Um, it might have been one of our first, maybe the first or the second episode, I think I did um, a dopish piece um, about a man that wrote about how consumers are more uh, inclined to support, or basically we're moving towards like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, people want to be a part of, people want to be a part of like a solution or they want to be a part of a movement. We're in a movement focused um, society right now. So when marketing to consumers, you know, you have to stand for something. I think this election was very tied to culture as a whole um, and less about just the politics of culture, but more so about the feels as well. So the emotions um, as it brought up a lot of dirty history and dirty laundry that we like to talk about in the context of textbooks and the context of PBS specials and ABC specials around Easter and Christmas time where people like to remember the how far we've come. Um, this election hurt a lot of people. And even before election day, like from, I guess, January or December 2014 even up into January 2015, like when we really started getting rolling, this election hurt a lot of people. So what that means for marketers and companies and, and, and anybody that's trying to sell to somebody else, you have to comfort those holes that started to get, people started to miss. So there were a lot more people, there were a lot more commercials that included a lot of diversity. A lot of the, te the television shows that we're watching I was talking to somebody, I was like, damn, Quantico has some of the best looking diverse cast members mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. ever seen on television. These people are beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like this, it wasn't just regular diversity. Like, okay, well we're gonna put, you know, black mom, white dad, biracial kids. It's, we're bringing people from Palestine in. We're bringing people from, you know, we want people that are um, from India. We mm -hmm. want, we also want African-Americans. We also want, South Africans, we also, yeah, you know, like there was a, a broader, lot, a there was a lot, uh, I can say, maybe not because of this election, but as a result of or in parallel path with it, I've seen a lot more companies and a lot more entertainment uh, organizations taking steps to not just appease people or appeal to them, but to actually meet them where they're at. Um, 
and obviously you're walking a fine line between like appropriation or whatever other negative comments people make about it but there has been an effort to extend a hand and to me that's a positive that came out of it because it ruffled a lot of the election ruffled a lot of feathers it showed how divisive some people really are and therefore in an effort to disassociate yourself with that a lot of companies said, no, 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 we're not like that at all. We want all, we want you to mm-hmm. spend, come one, come all, and spend your money with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, therefore, they That's showed, bared their soul, their, they bared their soul, if you will, if they have a soul, to, to us, <laughs> you know, where we are. Do you feel like that, which, which you were just heading on, is a direct reflection of the election, or is that from, like, years of mobilizing? Because I feel like right, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like right now we are in a civil rights movement. I think like, the reaction of the election, mm-hmm. the, reaction, the, the election itself was a reaction to the growing diversity. Mm-hmm. I think people, a lot of people felt that it's too much. It's all on the TV and it's all, why do we have to be so politically correct and all of that type mm-hmm. of stuff? And, you know, you're, you're shoving these things down our throat. Like, and TV especially, I feel like outside of like movies and agencies and whatever but a lot of places were moving into a place where they were trying to be more diverse and more open and and you know just tell different stories and i think that uh, a lot of people did not like that do you think that that was i think what i'm what i'm getting at is because to me it feels like that is a result of years of people not necessarily protesting but demanding it yeah, yeah, I like agree. It's, agree. Like it's been a buildup, and I think well like, because we know better now, right? Yeah, like we've had. Do we? A, you know what we do know better, and and there are people choosing not to do better. We all know better, and that's why a yeah. lot of people were shocked at what happened because we all really do know better. Yeah. People yeah, chose actively made this choice. You yeah. chose to just say fuck it. I'm not here for all of that diversity if, talk. If, if this, if Trump was elected, in. 2007 and 2008 I'd have been like damn that sucks but okay right but to go from where we've been to this that pendulum shift and I mean it's to your point right it's 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 to the credit of there being so much change and some people are like no I'm not really here for this change but that's exactly what it was after year like think about Think about what it was like learning about civil rights in school. Think about what it was like going to college and taking, like, and 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 as you know, for those of us that were the black, the only black or the only minority kid in class, as everybody's looking to you for answers, a lot of those people got the answers. Like, this is what you should do if you see that happen to me. If if oh, if I was there, I would never allow a. Uh, police officers to spray young children with water and okay. sick dogs on them and after years of saying that since the six since the 60s so what is that 50 years now 50 some years now mm-hmm. you've had 50 years to talk about well you would never let that happen now is the time for you to actually show that you don't want this to happen right. so absolutely because of those movements because of those well if i was in that situation this is what i would do now people the people that are woke enough to actually care and and courageous enough to actually act on it are taking steps to be vocal in their offices to be vocal at storyboarding sessions to making to make sure that when they see injustice in the streets that they they don't put up with that shit now people talk about it like hey you're not gonna talk to these yes these are perfect strangers but they're people just like me you can't say that you know so like we're, we're all vocal 
like we all have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our chat message, our chat, um, G chat, G chats, whatever. Like we're all vocal, but at like what point do you like? It's just talk. Like I feel like mm-hmm. there's like we all talk. Like we sit in living rooms, we mm-hmm. get drunk, we go to bars, and we talk about this, and we talk about all these issues. Um, at what at what point do you switch from talking to action? Because mm-hmm. we're all talking. And I think that was, that was another part of this election that we're, I don't want to say we fell short, but there was a lot of talk and it was happening from both sides. And But it doesn't feel like a lot of people started making moves. Right, I agree. I agree that people didn't start making moves because I think the biggest move so, that I see, and, and I'm not you know, super well pushed person, I'm going to put it out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Um, you know, was Black Lives Matter. When did, after this election happened, I went on my Instagram and, and I saw people who were like, down to my hairdresser, who was like, I want people... She mailed me now. I want to do this in my community. I want to do this mm-hmm. in my community. I want to do that. Whether it was New York, mm-hmm. whether it was in Florida, because, you know, mm-hmm. I have a very polarizing Instagram. But, you know what I mean? Like, people w- understood the degree that it's not like as far away as, oh, you know, that's just whatever, to, you know, these actions, these events happen, the chain effect. Mm-hmm. And, if I can help divert or change the effect, I can, I will do that. I think that that mindset didn't really, I didn't really physically see it until after the election. But that happens, like it, there's a breaking point for everybody. Um, for, for a lot of people, the breaking point was far before anything that had to do with this election. For a lot of people, the breaking point was like the first few episodes we talked a lot about sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that kind of that di- that discussion of diversity needs change, and how men view women in the workplace and women view men in the workplace needs to change. Like there are different breaking points, but to for me to answer that question, when do you stop talking and when do you stop acting? When it hits you personally, yeah. like it, it doesn't necessarily have to ha- physically happen to you, but like there's a trigger where you realize you can't just sit back and let whatever is happening happen to you or people like you anymore um and i think too with advertising like what has happened a lot of times in the past year with a lot more public things coming out with leaders and mm-hmm. and you know c-suite folks saying things especially sexual harassment related things um i think that people are now thinking oh gosh like this is a problem like we should do something about this and um it, um, unfortunately, sometimes it takes for something bad to happen yeah. for for people to act. But I mean, better late than never. I, I'm I'm very much right now focused on okay, well, what's next? Like, what are we doing? Because we weren't doing enough before, right? And now we actually have people who were um, silent allies that now want to be vocal mm-hmm. and that now want to um, help. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's something that we, especially as black people, need to capitalize on because there's been no other time that I've seen, especially white women, mm-hmm. say, this is fucked up, this is racist, 
I can't believe that's happening. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is the first time almost in my life I could say, well, and I, have, I didn't live in America my whole life, but mm-hmm. majority of the times they're the ones that are just like, that's sexist and that's all they see. And now I feel like the conversation of intersectionality is happening a lot more. Um, so like, how do we work with them? How do we get more people to get into the room and have these conversations so that we can start making something happen? Yeah. So quick question for you, because when we started, you said that you were part of a few different organizations. Um, like that takes that that takes a lot of um, that takes a lot of time um, and effort. And I think I think part of that question that I was asking, I don't know if I articulated it correctly, was at what point do you say, all right, cool, this is actually important enough for me to fuck it. I'm going to stay late and volunteer my time. I'm going to do X. I'm going to do Y. Um, because it, re- it requires sacrifice. Like, yeah. they're, like you're, you're missing out on things, life. Yeah. Like, you know, things you want to do. Like, to <laughs> actually help. So, like, what, what is a... Like, what is a filter that people can uh, use on themselves to say, I don't want to be a part of the noise? Because... If everyone is talking, it all becomes noise. So, like, at what point do you say, like, or what do you use, or like, what is the feeling? I don't, I don't know what it is. You're saying, like, but what's that moment? Yeah, what's that moment where you're like, I don't want to be a part of the noise. I want to be a part of the strategy. I have always been a very action-oriented and solution-oriented person, so um, that I think is a one of the things that automatically mm-hmm. what happens is a lot of times, especially when I first started out. I'd be in situations that I didn't like and that I didn't feel comfortable or that made me feel bad or whatever. And I would say to myself, no one else should feel this. Mm-hmm. So how do we fix it? And it was it stopped being even about me personally. It started being about like, okay, well, who's coming behind me that I could make sure that they don't have to deal with this? Who else is with me right here? I could make sure that they don't have to deal with it. And, and that has been, um, I think, one of the things that has guided me and that makes me feel like what I do is important and that helps me... N- look at things as as systems not just like because you know what i'm saying like to me you could say something right now to me that's sexist or racist or whatever and i could go complain you to hr but then what that's still between me and you that doesn't touch a lot of people that's still it contained so i'm thinking how do i scale that so every time then it's just like okay well so simia says racist stuff i'm pretty sure other people say racist stuff do we need to have some training going on do we need to have like a larger group conversation and and um, do they need to, you know, come and, and, and hang out with more people of color? Like, whatever it is, um, really thinking about how your voice, because your single voice, can ripple and, and do much more than you just, I don't know, whispering and thinking things one-to-one. True. But uh, isn't that personal? Like, I feel like that moment is personal. Like, who's coming up after me? Um, and, and I want to make sure this stops. I think that makes sense. For me, it's always like, I wish somebody would try that with me again. Like, 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 and it's funny. I mean, I said earlier before we started the show, like, yes, I'm, I'm admittedly crazy. So yes, to yeah. me, the point of action. You say <laughs> <laughs> the point you of action. Ready. <laughs> the point of action is usually a moment where I'm like, yo, like this will, you will not do that to me ever again. And like building up a force behind you, but that's a personal moment so to your point earlier Nisha when you were saying 
this is the first time that you've seen a lot of white women that are also joining um, these conversations and sharing the viewpoints because for a long time race didn't like it didn't have to matter like if you ever studied like uh, womanist studies and, and feminism and the intersectionality between uh, black feminism and, and white feminism yep. it it's the the conversations about race don't necessarily cross into your backyard. So if they're not in mm-hmm. your backyard and your gardenias are grown the way you need them to grow, it doesn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. But there comes a, a a point. So for me, it's no noticing that a lot more families are integrated in different ways, whether it's um, racially, like you know, you're adopting children of color mm-hmm. into your family, or you're marrying people into your family, and like all of a sudden you start to realize that you know and love people like that. Mm-hmm that's when it triggers you like oh snap wait a minute it's not just this isn't my neighbor anymore this is actually my, my cousin family, yeah. this yeah, is my yeah. family that it affects but like it's it's personal it has to be that moment where your your heart sinks into your stomach whenever whatever it happens no matter how little or how grand that that's the moment you decide to take action so and, and I, I get what you're saying but I think it's still possible for people to not be integrated. Like, and I think that's part of the diversity problem. Like, and I, and I think I said this a few episodes ago, that same night, the comment that pissed me off when I cursed out that room was, the woman was saying that we don't even live together. Like, how can we work together? Like, there are still people in the city of New York, which is mm-hmm. diverse as hell. You can live in Bed-Stuy, which is diverse and still never interact with anyone outside of mm-hmm. your your demographic, your, your, your yeah. demographic. Um, so you may not have that moment where yeah. your stomach you drops to your where, where your stomach drops and you feel like yeah. damn I don't want anybody to feel, feel like this way. because yeah. you don't even feel it yeah. mm-hmm. so like what like what is and I, I'm not just saying it for white people because like this could be anybody it could be anybody like Mm -hmm. i think there there are people of color who weren't as affected by this election as others like and i'll admit too like the first couple of days and we talked about this i i wasn't really reacting you you were just like well i mean it is america I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, you got that check too? But, but, but what? Here's, but here's, like, get off my computer screen. So, I'm not talking yeah, to you right now. Yeah, I but, was like, Mm-mm. but the but the thing was, like, it it just it didn't hit me at that moment. Yeah. What it's started to hit me was when it started to hit me was when I started hearing about the things that were happening to people who don't necessarily look like me, whether they're Mexican or mm-hmm. or, or women, and I'm like, damn, I don't want you to feel so like that like, because yeah, we're in a bubble, mm-hmm. and I think. On the conversation in the episode about women, where I was like, "Well, I don't, I don't see black women as like fragile, like mm-hmm. because most of the black women that's that I'm rude. around that's, are." That's unfair. It, talk, it, yeah, it's unfair. No, time. It, it, no, and, but, I already cussed no, them but, out. But, but, I'm not gonna yeah. cuss you. I, I, I want to have a serious conversation about oh, it. Um, no, I cussed but, that's but, out. But what, what I'm saying <laughs> is like because in my bubble, yeah. like what I experience is like, damn, like I know Nisha, I know Kai, I know yeah. Karina. Like these are some strong ass women, like. Mm-hmm. They're nope, not fragile. I cried in the bathroom today. But <laughs> until until you tell me that, I look at you and I go, "Damn, that's that's superwoman." Yeah. So like, when mm-hmm. you when we were talking about women during that episode, mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, I don't know women like that. Like yeah. they're bosses. Like unless you 
encounter unless you had that moment where you go well, it's about but i think it's more about finding the commonality right like you have mm -hmm. to find the part the piece that you identify with so do you, go you don't i don't think that i think you do need to look i mean you have to you have to have some context context to care mm -hmm. like if we can sit here and talk about aliens all day long and none of us are going to feel anything about it. Why? We've never seen an alien. We don't know no aliens. I don't nobody. I feel about them, though. Oh. <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm a very empathetic person. And beyond. about how, like, you know, folks be trying to get to, out to space and Mars and stuff, and I'm like, leave them alone. But no, see, really? Okay, but see, but so that, it's that kind movies. of empathy. It, I think it's that kind of empathy. Almost... Almost the same way, like, okay, if you go to church or, or if you're into spirituality, they talk about faith and how it's something that's blind and that you have to find common ground with something that, and believe from the best part of you that, that there is a heart or there is some, some sort of goodness attached to things that you know nothing about and to trust that, that whatever that thing is deserves reverence. And I think it's that kind of... Uh, I think it's that kind of connection that you have to look for in order to have empathy with people you don't know. The other uh, the one one thing the the same thing we spoke about on that episode was I know we were talking I forget what we were talking about but I brought up the fact that we don't sit here and argue that frequently about what's going on wars going on in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Not once have we had, you know, an episode about Aleppo. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that's not because we don't care. It's just because it's not necessarily something that we identify with. But it's a real thing. There are mm -hmm. people out there mm -hmm. that are dying. And that's something that we should care about. That's the same kind of stretch that a lot of people feel with, that a lot of men feel about feminism. That's the same stress, uh, stretch that a lot of people feel about racism. You have to find the thing. It's like, you know what? We may not have nothing else in common, but the fact that whatever your circumstance is, I don't want you to go through that because if it was me or somebody like me or however you want to phrase it for yourself, I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. And I think that's what needs to happen. And let me pull this back into advertising then because I think what's important about what we do because we reach national, international audiences with whatever advertising that we create, we need to be very responsible about the stories that we tell yes. and who we cast. Like So mm -hmm. those two things are... From the first time I started working, and I wouldn't even ask, like, how come you don't have any black people? I would share that, be like, could you put a person of color in there? Do you want me to help you find some Hispanic people? Do you want me to help you find some Asian? I wasn't even, it wasn't even about me. It was about how do we just not make this print ad or this whatever it is the same whitewashed thing that, that is happening everywhere else. And what I appreciate about a lot of the advertising that's happening now and a lot of TV is that they are telling these different stories now they're telling story like nike did you know that amazing campaign with the transgendered runner like that type of stuff is what suddenly now people who have never even encountered that person can see that person as a person mm -hmm. or right. see that like we have something in common and oh we, we love the same we hurt the same like we like the same cereal and and that is um the way that we could create empathy through the work that we do yeah i think the best work is anything that resonates on a human level so, I mean, for people who live in backwater Florida, <laughs> they may never... Tell us they, more about these people. <laughs> they may never <laughs> see... A, they don't see black people often. They may not see... Uh, same as if you go another part of the country, they may not see white people often. They mm -hmm. may not encounter racism the same way as you do. Mm -hmm. They may not... We, they may encounter classism more often than you do. Like, 
the thing about advertising is it does hit that international scale, but it hits the TV. You can't, at this point, you can't ignore the TV. Even if, even with mobile and, and all these devices, you know, you still have, as long as you can see or you can hear, you know, the advertising is going to hit you. And the best work, look at the work that's been lasting for years, it hits you on a, some sort of human element, mm -hmm. no matter what you're selling. Okay, so that's, that's, that's all good and well. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you still have to get your work approved. Like, and you're, unless, and I think when we started this, this is all about, this podcast is about a different perspective, diverse perspectives. None of us are C-suite people, right? So if you're not a C-suite person, mm -hmm. if you're not the mayor of your town, if you're not your man, the manager, you're, like, you don't have the title that you feel like warrants someone listening to your convictions and your solutions like how do you approach that or or does it matter like do titles matter if you're a junior in your agency or company like what is if it doesn't matter like what is a strategy to making sure that people receive your message or your strategies or your solutions in a way that um, will be effective? I think it's the ripple effect. And I'm going to use this podcast as an example. I started my job like a year, not even, it'll be a year like this month. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell nobody about this podcast because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how this is, how people are going to receive this. I think I told my friends mm -hmm. and I posted it on Facebook. But literally, I've had my C-suite come and say, oh, I, ha I heard you do a podcast. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. Who did you hear that from? The internet. And the, then I heard the one people person. you posted on Facebook, too. <laughs> I was like, I'm not that popular. Then one person's like, yeah, I heard you do a podcast. And then I'm like, oh, no. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to the cafeteria, and someone's like, oh, you're going to the cafeteria, too? And we're sitting in the elevator. And like, oh, I heard you do a podcast. And I was like, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the ripple effect. And if, if you, it's it's kind of the channel, yes, but depending on your agency, depending on whatever, you know, you put it out there, it's going to catch. And it depends how you want to get, get it caught. I didn't expect C-Suite to, like, hear anything about this podcast. I wanted really my peers and anyone above that, even mm -hmm. though we were trying to reach C-Suite. Mm -hmm. I thought I would have to go there, do an email do a dog mm -hmm. and pony show didn't have no idea that someone would come up to my desk and say hey uh heard you do a podcast can i listen to it where is it available from mm -hmm. that's that's i think that's the best that's the truth like it's focus on what you can change like i think sometimes people get really frustrated because they mm -hmm. want to like dismantle the whole system mm -hmm. and you have to start one brick at a time mm -hmm. so it's really looking at and, and like i said like i started with stuff like casting and even down to like when I make presentations putting in people of color in the presentations like all that type of stuff is is small steps that like other people start realizing because I remember when, when I started here too like they have a lot of like um, presentations that have a hand holding a phone and um, I discovered that they had a whole bunch of black hands and I, I filled my deck of black hands <laughs> my entire presentation everybody's hand was black 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 and I went home and I told my husband and I was like I feel like this is so aggressive like and he was like, but did anybody say did anybody say anything when it was all white hands? And I was like, no. So he was like, then it's not aggressive. 
Mm. Like, yo, I didn't even think about that. But that was like, yo. Be real. That was my, like, even even, even that thing. And then now um, I just encourage other people. I'm like, did you know they're black parents? <laughs> it's a small thing, but it makes such a big difference because when I see when I see them in decks now, and I see, like I I feel like oh that's nice <laughs> representation. So it's it's whatever you could do. I think I'm in a position now where I could affect a lot more things mm-hmm. as a creative, especially because you're the one coming up with the concept. You can affect a lot of things, um, and then it's it's really then showing what is the value of that change. Um, one of the things I talk about is like anti boycott. People know right. People know that if they don't like something, they boycott it and you create a hashtag and you get some t-shirts and whatever it is. I do whatever it is, if people boycotting something that I support, I would go all the way in for it. So Target right now, I saw that people were um, boycotting Target for Black Friday, hashtag anywhere but, tar- but anywhere but Target. I was like, well, I guess I gotta go spend a lot of money at Target. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I'm not gonna let that voice win because they're trying to like, they're against values and decency because people want to just use whatever bathroom they want to use. Like, I'm not going to stand for that. So what I will do is put my money where I can. So that's interesting because it's you saying the anti-boycott. It almost feels like people should be a little bit more, or they can be creative with the actions that they decide to take. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be you going out and protesting um, and walking the streets. Right. Like, you can do something as simple as that. And I think a lot of people... I mean, I think a lot of people believe that in order to affect change, you have to you have to be senior, you have to be in charge because you have to have the seat at the table. And I think it's it's two things. It's about what can you do in, in your world? So there's your personal world that you need to shift so that you're able to shift your perspective. And then what can you do in the larger world where other people are involved? In your world, you can do whatever you want. You can change mm-hmm. the whole deck, mm-hmm. have black hands, make sure you got at least two black girls, mm-hmm. one Asian man, mm-hmm. one Asian man, and, you know, whatever uh, aliens in, in the presentation, if that's what you want to put it in. On a larger scale, I don't think it's your title that's most important. I think it's your influence mm-hmm. that's most important. I think if you have the ear of a C-suite, of a C-suite person that it can affect change, that likely can be more effective than you actually being the C-suite person that can affect the change. And mainly because if you're sitting at a certain level and you're just saying, I want to change something, you need a reason to change it. They're going to, well, Why? Right. everything's been going great so right. yeah. so far you know and it's like well because the people that were serving or the people that were hosting yep. in this workplace need it take such and such for example she said this was her experience this is why we need to bring change so you don't have to walk around everybody isn't Moses you're not gonna walk around with a staff <laughs> and part right, red right, seas right. sometimes you just gonna be Kai and speak on a podcast and sit on a diversity board at your agency and talking about what changes you can make you know like you don't need like hashtags are great boycotting if that's your thing we've talked about it before boycotting is your thing then do that Mm -hmm. if uh uh going up and and partaking in a sit in a sit-in is your thing then do that for some of us it's just about having the conversation and making the conversation making sure the conversation gets out there for others of us some people like to sit out there go out and fight like Mm -hmm. find your way to be heard and to be understood and to be taken seriously and go forth with that and do it seriously for 
not just for yourself, but whatever that passion is that you have behind it. Right. So if, if you're doing it seriously, do you, do you think that you need to measure the result? Your result, I mean, that's personal. Like, I think yeah. this whole conversation, to me, this entire conversation is very, it's a personal thing because the things that I want changed or the, de- the degree to which I need things changed for me to feel like we're making progress is not necessarily that of somebody else, of you, of anybody sitting at this table. So I'm not going to, I don't think any of us should judge progress by through your lens or through my lens I think they have to judge it through their own lens some of us just wanted to there's a conversation I guess a couple years ago when Spike Lee was speaking at I guess it was Pratt about the gentrification in Brooklyn and for him it was like you know back in the day we couldn't get our trash picked up in Fort Green Park you know what I'm talking about for some people it's I just want my trash to be picked up as simple as that like it like like that's actually a very complex thing to like coordinate with like your 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 city uh, government or your city council. But for some people, it's just as simple as that. It's not necessarily abolishing racism or discrimination or sexism. It's just I want to be able to get coffee for the same price that a regular person can get coffee. I want to be able to enjoy. Dr- <laughs> Let's go to Flint. I just want water. Let's go to yeah. an ad agency mm-hmm. at JWT early in the. I just want to be able to sit in an office and for my boss. Not my boss. I like my job for everyone listening. <laughs> no shade to anybody. But I just want to sit in office and not have a man comment about my chest or my legs. Yeah. It's just as simple as that. So it's not necessarily like, well, how can we gauge change? Change is well, what is the thing that you need to happen right now for you to be comfortable, for you to move forward and do it, and pursue happiness the way that it's intended for you to do so in this country? All right, cool. So I think... Like to me, that's that's a good point. But for if, like you were saying earlier, if the change that you want is not necessarily personal, like it's about the people who are coming behind you. Mm-hmm. So to me, like if if that is a change that you're that you're looking for, then you do want some sort of way to be able to measure it and. Yeah, I think I told the story earlier. Like we just keep rehashing stories, but yeah, um, yeah. like when I was leaving an agency, I knew I was quitting. Like mm-hmm. I knew before I went into HR, I'm not staying here. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way that I feel. Um, I don't like the way that you guys are treating me. Um, so me going into HR was not about me. It was about the people who were going to come behind me. But I felt like if I went in there by myself, that it would sound like. I'm complaining like it's about me so Mm -hmm. I went in with other people do you think that it's crucial to get people to buy in to your message or do you like can you just go at it alone like what if nobody else feels the way that you feel and you think that like you know what I mean like there's because you're again it's like we're we're talking about systems right Mm -hmm. like the, the bigger picture here is that or you might be the only person Right. Yeah, I think it's different. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so if you are the if you are the only person of color at your yeah. company, like how do you get people to buy in or do you need people to buy in to make change for the system? Because a lot of the things that we're talking about, these while we're experiencing them personally, the system is fucked up. Yeah. Like it's 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 a systematic thing and people and I think oh my god, I don't remember who took oh same agency. Someone said to me, <laughs> he said you think they're going to change for you? Yeah. 
I remember him saying that to me and me going, damn, I need to go in with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and I I feel like there's, like when you go in, one, it looks like a lawsuit, but two, (laughs) (laughs) they're they're shut the numbers. So like when you go in with other people, and I think also to, to the, the importance of this podcast, which is like, we don't all agree on the same things. Like mm-hmm. there's different perspectives, but we're all talking about the same issues. Yeah. So do you need other people? And if you do need other people, like how do you go about getting people to buy in to your message or getting like even this podcast? Like I didn't want to do this podcast at first. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, it was like, you guys had to ask me to do it. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> there was, like we understood, but like that, the, but that's it, your answer. Like you had to share it. Like you have to share. You don't know who's gonna join you. Mm-hmm. You 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 have no you have no idea. I think one interesting thing is what's going on now at Standing Rock. Is it Standing Rock? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> they did uh, another round. Ra- <laughs> <all over. laughs> like, mm-hmm. Another yeah. round did an interview with a, um, a a professor who is Native American, and. The question was, how do you feel how Obama has responded to this crisis, to this issue? And, you know, she said her point, wasn't really too happy about it, but she's like, does it, how response? does it feel? <laughs> her, I mean, she was, Obama was one of the few presidents that actually came to different tribes mm-hmm. um, and, you know, made his presence known. Not, not a lot of U.S. presidents have done that. But in this moment, he hasn't really said it. So then they went on like, well, now how do you feel with this with the new president elect? Do you feel any different? Do you feel anything worse? What's your thoughts? And she said that she it's pretty much the same feeling. She's like, quite honestly, I don't know. There have been times where there are presidents who were blatant racist mm-hmm. or done things that really effed up the system, but they did a lot of things for Native American rights and reservations. Nixon had had been an example. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you don't when you share your message, you don't know who's going to resonate with you, who's going to join you. You don't know exactly their true intentions. But I think it's the part of it is sharing that this shouldn't this is something that shouldn't happen because I want to feel comfortable in my workplace. I want to, you know, do what I need to do, get through my day and do my job well. Yeah. You know, you share and then people come. But if you don't share and mm-hmm. you want all the glory for yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, how many people in history have done that and been successful? I mean, it's different. I, I think there's there's an element of taking a stand for something that you believe in, and that is something you can do as an individual. And I think that there's the opportunity to affect change. In order to make change, you do have to mobilize. I, I, think, I don't think it's something one person can do because – to your point of systems, like in order mm-hmm. to change a system, you need m- multiple people to agree the system needs to be changed and to offer a, a, an alternative solution. But I do think that as an individual, you can take a stand. So it's not necessarily, I want to change this. I don't want to participate in this. So like certain people won't buy gas from certain gas stations. Growing up, we didn't go to Denny's. Mm-hmm. Yep. No one's saying that all collectively we all can't go to Denny's or a a whole bunch of people can't go to Denny's but in our house we did not go to Denny's and we did not go to Denny's because of the treatment that Mm -hmm. we have read about and that my parents had experienced one time or another um 
being of color and going to the local Denny's in our neighborhood. We did, that was us taking a stand. That wasn't us passing flyers out to neighbors back in the day, calling people on the, the, the rotary phone. It wasn't, nothing like that. It was just simple. We took a stand. We are not for this. We don't buy certain products because we don't like this. Back in the day, people stopped wearing Tommy Hilfiger. It wasn't right. a movement. It was an individual choice. But I think that it needs to be um, a group thing because, like, your individual act, mm-hmm. there needs to be several individual acts that are happening at the same time for there to be a difference. For there to make change. Yeah. But or I do think your that individual act needs to be loud enough that other people hear it. Do you think silent protests have to, like, I just feel like there are individual protests. There's just certain things, like, I won't do. Everybody else can go, I'm just not going to partake in that because I don't believe in it. But do you want to see measurable change? Like, do you want it to change? Because if, if by yourself, it's you're, you're, you're throwing rocks into a, a lake, you know what I mean? And I feel like we need everybody to put their rocks together and throw boulders in there. That's what's going to displace water. So I, 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 I see what your point is, and I, I think... I, I think, think that's something that I've personally evolved to, to wanting to do, to make change. Growing up, that wasn't the priority, like, in our household. The priority in our household was our morals and our values as individuals or as a unit. Um, the change... Because, quite frankly, 20 years ago, like, you're not... We weren't trying to make no change in 1990-whatever. We was just trying to make it by. I think think now, me personally, why I do what I do is to make change, and therefore mobilizing is important. I do, however, respect people that, as as individuals, take stands. So, to to me, like, what the two of you were saying was that you're saying the same thing, but I think it piggybacks off of what Karina was saying, which is... If you do take that individual stance, then you need to t- talk about it. Yeah, like you, you need, need to yeah. you need to share it. You need to yeah. tell people why you're not going to Denny's because I know why the hell y'all weren't going to Denny's. Denny's was good. Denny's was prejudiced. But if you but see, but that's the thing. Like no one told me no, yeah. that Denny's was prejudiced. But if someone like you guys were doing it, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you were sharing it, but no one ever told me that Denny's was pre- prejudiced. So yep. I just enjoyed my food. Like. No, exactly. And and that's what I mean about, Mm -hmm. like, the several voices being able to change something or one voice being able to be loud enough because if, you know, now collectively you went from one person not going to Denny's to, like, five people not going to Denny's to 50 people not going to Denny's, and that's that's what's going to lead to some action and that's what's going to change something. So, like, even within an agency or Mm -hmm. any kind of workplace, like, I could be the one that's like, guys, this isn't cool. Guys, what about this? And they'll just be like, well, that's just you. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. if, if three of us, say guys this isn't cool then it's just like oh, okay let's 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 definitely look into it mm-hmm. and I, and i think that's like a lot more strong because nobody could tell you that it's your opinion mm-hmm. if it's a bunch of you like we're talking about facts now mm-hmm. yeah and 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 that even helps you i think think about your argument a little bit better and think about how you're going to come come to it because if you have to articulate it to somebody else all of a sudden you get out of your feelings a little bit more and you start being like, well, this is what the, the problem is. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, you think about little kids who cry about stuff and then you ask them what they're crying about and they're like, oh, uh... Because mm, when do uh, you cry? When you get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you tell them. <laughs> Only when you get hurt. You have something to cry about. But you know what I mean? Like, you realize that it's just like, oh, well, she took my thing and it's just like, but you have another thing and it's like, oh, right, I do. This wasn't really a problem after all. Never yeah. mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Keywords that I heard all of you mention, which is message and say things. 
and vocalize your this message that you're talking about rippling feathers Ruffling feathers. feathers. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think. I don't correct it. Choir sounded weird coming out, so I knew it was wrong. Um, but this this message that you're spreading, mm. like, and I think we we're we're seeing it now because everyone has a message. Like mm-hmm. we're like we're watching this happen with the election. Like mm-hmm. everyone has a message, and these messages are spreading. Whether you're for whether you're for Trump mm-hmm. or you're for Hillary or you're just for good old humanity, mm-hmm. like everyone has a message and these messages are ruffling feathers. So the core of this podcast is about, you know, being better and, uh, and more inclusive in the workplace. So you have to share your message at work. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, society, like, people aren't always going to receive your message with open arms and kindness. So, like, how do you protect your brand? Because that's the other thing. Like, we're, like you can't just go in, rah-rah, mm-hmm. DMX, kicking indoors, uh, <laughs> and, you know, basically... Well, you can. Or, or you, you can. If that, that might be your brand. <laughs> but um, but in, in the yeah. real world, yeah. in, in everyday society, you as a person of color, even if you're white, like, you, you can't just go in and go crazy. So how do you protect your personal brand or do you care if you're standing up for good? Like, is this something that you should, is that something that you should be worried about uh, when you are taking a stance for, whether it's for yourself or it's for mass gain? Well, A, you gotta know your personal brand. Now, nobody's gonna walk in here dressed up as Captain Planet or whatever mm-hmm. and like make a, a scene. You know your lane, and when, when if if the stand is, you guys are reviewing some work and you have to approve it, and you look through it and you're making you saying your opinion or, or if you see something that's blatant racist in a pitch or something, you know that's taking a stand. There's there's you know your lane mm-hmm. and you know you should fit something to be within your brand to make change. You may be very angry at inside, but. It's what's the point of being angry if you can't really do anything constructive with it? Maybe brand is not the right word. No, you maybe it's re- maybe it's just reputation because the at the end of the day, this is a relationship based mm-hmm. industry and people need to want to work with you. They yeah, want you they don't need want to, to be the angry black man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want people yeah. to like a general damn, I don't want to work with him. Yeah. Like, I like I don't want to be here late at night with him. Like yeah. he's just gonna be talking about black shit all night. Yeah. Like like what <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so you you want to be cognizant yeah. of your approach, like, so yeah. what is the best way to go about it, or do you, or, or just don't care? This is a conversation we had um, two meetings ago, or two diversity meetings ago at my office. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily feel the way everybody else feels about it. Um, I think it's very important. And maybe because that's a part of my brand or because that's a part of who I am. I think it's very important to be to be very authentic with with your approach. Like if you feel a way, I need you to say you feel a way. I don't like to dance. I hate it when I hear that people are trying to dance around Mm -hmm. um, their perspective. Like if we're going to talk about diversity, let's talk about the diversity. Let's talk about we need more women or we need more people of color or we need more LGBTQ or we need to stop denying these people opportunity. Like when I feel like when you start to consider your reputation, 
that is how we get to a place of of exclusion because for the sake of my reputation I don't want to ruffle your feathers I don't personally I don't want to live with my my feathers ruffled Mm -hmm. so my advice my advice is always say what you mean say what you mean and if people come back with questions then you can answer those questions if you need to clarify you can clarify but I don't think it makes not to say running up in offices and cursing people out and slapping them with the back of your hand is (laughs) necessary not Not say that that is necessary (laughs) however don't don't worry I don't I don't think it's fair to worry about being the angry person or being I don't want them to think I'm the girl that talks about the black stuff. Well, quite frankly, who else is going to do it? How else are you going to know? Well, so I see what you're saying. Um, I, I think there's two sides to that. Sure. I think there's two sides to that. I think one one of those sides is sometimes you need to have um, an ally, and depending on on mm-hmm. where you're at, that have them say it. Because like no matter what, like if you say if the minute I say something that's racist, it's like oh my god. Versus if a white person says something that's racist, all of a sudden it's just like, oh my goodness, oh racist. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's very different. So there's times where I have just put bugs in people's ear mm-hmm. to say, did you realize that so-and-so is talking to so-and-so like this? Or what do you think about when it's such mm-hmm. and such? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah. And they go talk to somebody mm-hmm. else and they're like, oh yeah. And then they're having the conversations and changing things while I'm sitting back being like, thank you. So... I think that's safe, and I think that's a good. I don't think that, like, I don't think I always had that. And and, you know? and yeah, that might not be your yeah. personality. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I'm thinking about juniors as well. Like somebody yeah. that's like entry level or whatever. You can't just go and be like, guys, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I, I think- did. That's why I got let go. <laughs> 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 proving yeah, Simeon's point, right? Proving Simeon's point. So it's 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 you know, I, I think about knowing how to go about doing things. And how to create change? With, and we talked about this. There's like there's soft ways, there's silent ways, and then there's big ways. And and figuring out what that is. And I want to say, I, I know you had something to add to me, actually, mm-hmm. but I have another point. Remind me after. Okay. Um, because I think what you, what you're saying is very interesting, and I think what we're noticing now is that which is black people and people of color have been saying all of this for many many <laughs> no. centuries. No. Um, but shit is fucked up. Uh, and I think now what we're noticing is white people are saying yep. it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's 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 having more of an impact, which is fucked up. Um, but it's it's the reality. Like, yep. it's having more of an impact. So do you think, so going back to the last question, do you need to diversify, diversify the people that you get to buy into yes. your yes. strategy Absolutely. or your solutions? Yes. You need to get some people from the other side. You need to get, like, everybody, everybody of any kind of race, creed, religion, whatever it is, needs to kind of see what it is and see what's wrong and want to fix it as well. Otherwise, it's not going to get done. And if it's, it might get done for you, but then it won't get done for another group. It won't get done for somebody else. So we could we could say right now, like, for instance, in advertising, they're doing a really good job of fixing the woman problem. Mm-hmm. But are they thinking about, okay, well, now that we figured this out, how do we fix the race problem? Well... No. Come on now. <laughs> I said a word in here. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So so they they, they, they they have lumped diversity into gender diversity and then said like now we've done great for diversity and no you haven't. So in th- the minute that you keep that conversation insulated within that group of people, because women, were, white women especially, were only helping other white women, then black women weren't getting help, black people weren't getting help. 
Asian people weren't getting help. Right. Hispanic people weren't getting help. So the minute, like, you, like, I can't not be intersectional. I can't not think about any situation I'm in and anything that's, like, not good that's happening to me as a black person and not think about, well, what about these other marginalized groups? There's also this idea of speaking to the choir. Like, we can sit here and have this discussion amongst ourselves every day, yep. all day long, hours upon the day. And guess what? Nothing's going to happen because we already know there's yeah. a problem right. and we're not the ones that need to fix it. Yep. Same thing when it comes to gender. Same thing when it came to LGBTQ issues, veterans issues. Like, mm-hmm. You not we're not talking I'm not talking to myself. Yep. I want you, the person that I feel is blocking my uh my my progress or oppressing me, I need you to make the change. And if you don't feel that you're doing it, it's people like you, so I need you to talk to your cousin. So in that mm-hmm. sense, I understand putting the bug in folks' ears, but to make a to, to have an effective movement, the civil rights movement was did not happen and was not powerful because it was a whole bunch of black men. It was black men and black women and brown men and brown women and Asian men and women and white men and women that came together for those issues. Hip hop did not become what it is today by staying in the South Bronx, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? It had to diversify and expand to different people from different regions and different backgrounds in order for it to reach the mainstream it reaches now. So if you want to carry your message, you need to talk to some people that don't know what you're talking about so that they can get on board. Are there any groups that you feel like have done that effectively where they've mobilized, they've, I don't know if you necessarily want to call them activists, but any groups or organizations that have, I don't know if protest is the right word, but... um, Make their presence be known? They've had strategies for change, and you feel like those strategies who's, who's, were who's affected change. Yeah, like who, like like what groups have affected change, and like if you are admiring those who passed the president or whatever, um, what are those strategies that they've used that you feel like we could implement, even on a small scale, like at your office? Because I think a lot of mm-hmm. it is can be really simple, like Black Lives Matter, which. It's it's really it was so simple, but it's been so effective. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, I have a, f- a few. If we're talking organizations, and and yes, it's a it's a woman's organization, but I do think the Three Percent Conference That's has done um, amazing things to to move forward progress for women creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go, that's industry wide. If you want to go. Uh, political or geographical like people say what they want to say about Fidel Castro and the different movements that that uh, arose through Latin Americas but essentially they were revolutions that were started by small groups of people that were uncomfortable with their circumstances whether or not you agree with them is not the issue the issue is that they were able to make change for mm-hmm. nations and not just their nations like Cubans went into Grenada. Cubans helped to break down uh, the apartheid. Uh, they went to Angola. They were in South Africa everywhere. and helped spark revolution. So I think, I think there are lots of. I mean, obviously, like civil rights. There were lots of uh, movements that sparked change, and there's a lot we can take from them by having you need to make sure you have points like what do you want to change you cannot just be asking for change what does this change look like and it's as simple as 
yeah, you might need to write it down and bullet point it Mm -hmm. out in bold letters so people can read it. And then you need to have people that believe in it and take a stand together to make the change. Like, they've done it. They've done it well. 3% Conference has done it well in advertising, I think. And I think, uh, yeah, I'm not going to keep speaking (laughs) on it before I get deported. (laughs) Like, I was was born here. I was born here, so don't try me. But, you know, I'm not going to keep speaking on it too much. Um, I I, I agree that 3% have done a a really good job of, um, for one, identifying the problem very clearly. Only 3% of creative directors are women. Um, And then saying, okay, well, what are we going to do? And um, I went to last year's conference and Cindy Gallup did the keynote. And she actually came out with, like, do this, do this, do this. And I love that because it was very clear and actionable. And a lot of the things that they they talk about um, as an organization and try to do as an an organization is very actionable. Here are 50 things you could do right now. Here... um, Here's like when you hire, hire people in threes. So it's not just a lone black person or a lone woman, but you know what I mean? Like um, you actually have that power in numbers and stuff like that I think is, is, is super valuable. And I think a lot of organizations um, aren't necessarily thinking about that, aren't necessarily pursuing things in that way, mm-hmm. aren't even like, I feel like 3% also does a good job of like looking at, women's issues in the workplace so Mm -hmm. what are we doing about like mother's rooms and about maternity leave and about helping women get back into the workplace and so they talk about programs around that and how to make that better um ain't nobody talking about that for black people no (laughs) they're not Mm. Mm. i mean i I feel like (sighs) next year we'll talk next year that's to me like that's what black lives matter did really well and i can't i'm just thinking from the website that website that you mm-hmm. shared with me like last year where it broke it I down by point. Yeah, yeah, like those those ago. points yeah. were were really like they were simple. Yep. They were clear, they were concise and we want body cams, we want training, right. we want yeah. And I think going back to that meeting that I had with HR, which mm-hmm. is and that was it was your advice, which was don't go into that meeting without an agenda. An agenda. Mm-hmm. And so going into that meeting with an agenda and he kept trying to talk around, and I was like, "But you got to go back to your speaking get, points. Get points. Like mm-hmm. I, I emailed you these points. Mm-hmm. Like I. This is what we're here to discuss. When are we going to talk about mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. points? I think that's like a really um, clear strategy. Not a clear strategy, but a good strategy is to have your points. And if you don't have points, you should go get some. I was about to say because if you don't <laughs> have points, what are you talking about? Then you're just yeah. angry, well, you're just right? Yeah, yeah, you know, you're just talking. But I think I think was again going back to the fact that three percent has now in four years or five years gone from 3% to 11%, they identified a problem very clearly in the name of the organization. They also made it very inclusive. It's not just, a, it's not even just women. This is men. This is how we want you to help these women. You know, like, oh, okay. as I have I my list meant, of thought, 100 things. I thought you meant inclusive. As no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Um, <laughs> Gender-wise, <laughs> this is what we want men to do for, yeah, a, for yeah, us. Yeah, They definitely worked out the ally and sponsorship route. Speaking of ruffling feathers, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I mean, I love the organization, um, but uh, so the thing is, is like a lot of the organizations with people of color don't go back and say, well, we want to go from 2% to 3% next year. Mm-hmm. We want to go from 3% to 6% in the next two years. Like, there's not those kind of goals attached to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like, well, we have this organization and we're going to have a mixer. And then... Baby, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
Pastor Nisha no just came through the nobody. room. <laughs> All the shade to everybody. I'm not. I'm not planning one more cocktail party <laughs> unless it's just for me because no. that's not gonna help make yeah. no change. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be that. I don't want to meet more people. I don't want to network. I, don't, I, I got all these friends, and you know, Christmas okay. come around the corner. I ain't buying no gifts. <laughs> exactly. I want to. You, you know, we should be doing is getting a think tank together. Come on. I'm saying like, let's put some stuff on the wall. Let's start looking at solutions. What are actionable steps we're gonna take? And I feel like like maybe they did some stuff for recruitment, but not anybody, barely anybody, because um, I, I don't know everything that's happening out in the world, but barely anybody has done anything for retention. Right. How are you keeping black talent in the industry? How are you keeping people, like, yeah, okay, so you could bring in 15 new interns, and then what? You still got this one person that's been a, a, a senior copywriter for the last 14 years. Or when you realize and that 14 like, of uh, the 15 done. interns aren't cultural fits, and you don't rehire anybody diverse, quote-unquote, diverse in their place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your 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 large pool of diverse interns means nothing it's just, to yeah. anybody because they're not growing up the ladder, and the issue is the ladder, the retention of the ladder, the 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 child who, who are you who are you role models i i know i know maybe maybe three four black female creative director people maybe four that's a lot you know and that's that's me being very <laughs> very generous and the only reason i feel like i know them is because i sought them out mm. because i was like i need to see somebody like me that's here and i need to talk to you about some of the things i'm dealing with and and that it's never like one of the, one of my regrets is actually like leaving the advertising industry because I feel like I was making progress, and it's hard to make change when you're not in it. Mm-hmm. So like like I would encourage people don't quit. Like I know it's hard, but don't quit because nothing is gonna change. It's just gonna continue becoming. It's gonna it has been regressing, and it's gonna continue becoming a harder environment for people of color to be in. Mm-hmm. So you need to stay and fight and try your best to do what you can do to make a difference. Otherwise, it's just gonna be like, well, they don't, they don't, they don't even want to work in advertising anyway. <laughs> we can't find the talent, and they leave early. They, 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 you know, tap out after a certain point in time, and it's just like that's not my narrative. You mm. made, you made that situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm, you know. Mm. I, I will say I feel, and this is purely based on. observation I do feel that for and not even really people of color all people of color I just want to speak about black people in the United States specifically so inclusive of all however you identify as of African descent I think we have a hard time speaking about race to white people I don't think we have a hard time speaking about race to uh, people that only identify as Latino or identify mm-hmm, as Asian, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when it comes to having a conversation with white people, we don't want to say our demands because people don't want to ruffle feathers. And I and I, I'd like that to change. I really don't give a goddamn what you think, so I'm gonna have the conversation. But I would like for more people to feel comfortable having these conversations because in order to affect change, yes, you need numbers, yes, you need more people from opposite sides, but you also need to identify who your opponent is. Mm-hmm. It's just like a sport, you need to identify your po- opponent, identify what 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 are the points? Like, how are we winning this? What are the points that we need to change? What are the things that you need people to do for you? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, the conversation, as I know it to be within advertising since I came into the industry is, there's no black people. 
black people don't want to work in advertising and you're like that's not that's not a real problem the problem is we need you to hire us we need you to retain us we need environments that are comfortable for us to work in that we can um that we can embrace our individuality we need opportunities for growth we need mentorship like Mm -hmm. point out the different things you need and quite frankly they might be very similar to the same points that are um that are projected from the three percent conference but you need to tailor them specifically to people of color needs and not just people of color as a whole but what does that look like for men and what does that look like for women because Mm -hmm. there are different needs Mm -hmm. that you will need and I think as we are able to go down a path where we can identify what these needs are then we will be able to see more change but we have to be comfortable asking for it and we know I mean I don't mean to generalize but yes I do as a people sometimes we don't like to ask for things that's exactly what needs to happen for us to make that progress that we're looking for so we normally close the show out with next steps, but I feel like this whole show has been about next steps. Um, what do you guys think is the first step that you should, that anyone or that that should be taken? Like when you, when you know that you want to be a part of the solution, like you don't want to be a part of the noise anymore, or you want to put to action that raw feeling in the pit of your stomach like what is the first step that you should take and I feel like like this, the last question was really talking about strategies like what is what is the tonight whenever, whenever you're listening to this podcast like what is the first thing that you should do when you realize that you want to be a part of the change whether it's big or, or small I think it's identifying identifying what you're not okay with. What is the problem? What is the problem? Because that means different things for different people. Mm-hmm. Because A, you are you okay with what's going on now? I mean, that's a real question for some people. Mm-hmm. And then B, okay, what am I what pisses me off the most about this situation? Mm-hmm. And then what can I do to change what I'm specifically pissed off about? I think that's that would be my first if I'm from ground zero. Like, so write it down. Don't know one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may not need to write it down, or, or you may I think not you need should. to I think it. you should. Like Marcus Garvey said, organize, centralize, come as one. Like, you need to write that down. You need to, you can't, like, the thing is, the minute that you, you make it come from emotional place, people aren't going to listen the same way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like you got to be about, we, we work in businesses, mm-hmm. so you got to be about your business. Mm-hmm. You need to make this their business. So... I think that you're completely right. Um, figuring out what the problem is and figuring out what solutions are and then coming up with a plan would be the third step. Who do I need to talk to? What is the time frame that something like this could really happen? What What is the brick, what is the first brick I need to pull out to start breaking down this wall? Because whatever it is you're looking at probably is a big wall, you know what I mean? So when you start thinking about it like that, then you start being like, okay, well maybe I just need to have a conversation with my first my ACD and then mm-hmm. maybe I need to have a conversation with the creative director and then like you know I mean you start working that stuff around um, and you can start seeing that's when you start seeing more change yeah and I want to add like you got to get over the hump that you may that you feel like you're complaining mm-hmm. or if you feel like that's I yeah. mean on to- mm-hmm. top of what Kai said like we don't ask things of people of color when we talk to people who are white who are white haha um, sometimes you're like am I complaining yeah or am, I over, over, or am I overreacting? Yeah, or am I overreacting? 
if it bothers you, it bothers you. We, we've touched on that in another episode. And sometimes how you have to muster up the self-courage. Yeah. You're like, you know, this is really pissing me off. This bothers me. Yeah. And, you know, say it in an eloquent way, like <laughs> business language. You know. But, like, get over the hump that you may think that you're complaining or you're overreacting or, or you're too junior to say something. Get over that because you're on to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to that point, damn, I don't know if we were having this conversation, but to me like that sounded like you need to have a perspective and I think mm-hmm. one of the things that when you are emotional your perspective may not come through as it, clear yeah. as it should be yep. so if you if you are realizing that you're feeling this way like you should understand like what your perspective is because that's that's your voice like if yep. you don't have a perspective like you don't have a voice like and yep. no one should listen to you <laughs> yeah, and I, think, I, I think it's easier too if you think about it too from the perspective of okay well if this didn't happen to me if this happened to my sister or this other person over here would I would it still be as wrong would, it, would I still be so upset like if 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 I knew this other group of people didn't have access to XYZ would it, would it still bother me and then all of a sudden you remove your ego from it and you can really look at the issue for what the issue is right yeah. I think it's um, important I mean two things so in order of the two things, the first thing is to educate yourself. So whatever it is that you're feeling or whatever it is that you're seeing that's starting to bother you, read up on it. Find out what other people's perspectives are, what other people's experiences are. Um, because sometimes you don't have 10 people behind you to walk into an office and say, this is how we feel collectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to find that information elsewhere. Um, and also as we've learned in the past 18 months of this election and and however many years of diversity conversation and even before that EEOC, you need to be aware of like of of what the reality is in order to change it Mm -hmm. so you do need to read up the second thing is to not be afraid to have the conversations that mean something to you Mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. for me for me it's regardless of how people will judge you for it if it's true to what you believe then it is a, a real part of you a real piece of you that you need to share if it comes across angry maybe there's a better way to say it but make sure that your point is 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 given make sure that your point is received make sure that you are speaking from fact and not always from emotion although Mm -hmm. i do think it is important to give the emotion around it for context so people know that i'm not talking to you like a textbook i want you to hear me as a human it's the word it's the um, word y'all it's the word you made me forget what my thing was gonna be. <laughs> oh man no i think i think i think that's really good and it's it's to all of your points um you should just remember i remember um but to all all of your points i feel like that's where I, when i started to make the little bit of progress that i made in my career it's like understanding like why I was feeling yeah. fucked up. And I think great moment between you and I was when I was at that agency that shall remain nameless. <laughs> and we were we were texting and you said, Stop fucking complaining. Uh-huh. I do remember saying that. And I was like, time. Oh, huh. <laughs> really? Wait a minute. And then I was able to like sit down and write out why I was angry. Yeah. And those talking points have been or those those points have been my guide for understanding how I want to move through agencies going forward. I need to see this. Mm -hmm. I want this. Mm -hmm. These are the things that I need to um, have to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and to develop. 
but having perspective, stop complaining, writing things out, allows you to like look at things strategically and actually do something about it. I think that's a that's a really great point. I'm glad that I gave you that advice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look yeah, at me! Look right. at me now! Look at me now! I know, I'm so proud of you. Um, I would say that the 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 other thing, and I actually didn't get to this as the second point when we were talking about how to get other people in, and I talked I talked about putting a bug in other people's ear and like building it that way from the background. There's also, of course, the foreground, which 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 Kai's talking about as well, like just going up and saying it. Um, the best advice I got a couple years ago was from a friend of mine, Christina J. Pyle, who said, be undeniable. She mm. was just like, nobody can tell you anything if you're the best at what you do, if you're awesome, if you're amazing. Like, and I, and I said that earlier, and I didn't quantify it when I said that, you know, we need to be awesome. Like, you need to be exceptional so that when you, you speak up and you raise your hand and you say, guys, this is, and I have to check myself on saying guys, but... We'll talk about that another day. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you raise your hand and you're like, y'all, this is not cool, they know that you're not coming from a, a, a place of, of complaining. They know you're not coming from a place of just, you know, being, like, lazy, which they assume you're lazy anyway. Like, they know that you are on it, and they listen. They trust your opinion, and then they don't, you want what's best for everybody else. So um, that would be the first place to start, or maybe the second place to start. I'm not sure, because I think you do need to figure out the problem, solution, write it down, all that. But then on top of it all, you need to be undeniable because you can't come in the agency on Monday and on Tuesday be like, you guys are messing up everything. Here's what we're like, changing. It all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all you of it. I mean? So um, people have to know who you are and, and respect you as well. So that's yeah. really important. I think that's what comes out of being exceptional. You, you know, you're building up that respect um, because they can't they can't say, oh, you know, Karina always complains. Can so I say what something? Saying, like yeah. you, people should. I, what I what I'm getting from what you just got is from what you just said is people need to want to change for you. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. if you're if you're not good at what you do, no one. Then why would like, why why yeah. you matter? Like yeah, you're gonna quit anyway. You're gonna be gone anyway. Like you're not adding to our company anyway. So why why bother? Like if you show you're invested in this company and and you care about what's going on, then they're more likely to invest in you. Cool. That doesn't mean. I guess. I agree with that. I think I 100% agree with that. I do think some people equate that with perfection, which I don't necessarily think is mm -hmm. it. Being exceptional is exactly what you said. Make make them want to change for you because mm -hmm. of who you are and the value that you bring. You, you ain't going to be I, – I, I can't be the best producer every day. Oh, Most no, days no, no, I can't. No. But, yeah. like, if you yourself are authentic and you – genuinely want to bring value then yes yeah. like people will do for you yeah. people will work with you and listen to you i've ha I've been at places where they've said like we what can we do to make you stay and mm -hmm. i'm like oh for real okay <laughs> start this conversation then let's like let's really talk about that and once i started realizing that you know i do bring a lot of value and 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 my presence here is important then okay well let's talk about how we could grow together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we can start by you not doing racist shit <laughs> it's a great place to start. It's a really Appreciate good place it. to start. Yeah, right? I agree. Good relationships start that Listen, way. Listen, you know, it's the small things. It's the small things. <laughs> but I think I think that's key, like, to me, what you just said, and we can close on that, which is, like, the grill together. Like, mm -hmm. this is, like, no man's an island. Like, we're, we're not trying to kill off all white people. Like, we want no. to live. <laughs> I <don't laughs> but I feel like yeah. sometimes you just need to be explicit. Like, this is not about mm -hmm. that. Um, like, we want to work together yeah. we want to go together we want to live together so I think 
that's a key. Like if if your mission is togetherness and it's mm-hmm. not selfish and it's about being able to be together and not want to kill each other and, and be great together, then if that's the core of what your solution is, then you should have no problem getting started. Yeah, I, I just want to see it at the table. You know what I mean? There's, another, there's another poster around here that's something around, um, something like, if you get the right group of people together, you could do anything. That's true. Mm. Mm. And that true. is the truth. And I just want to be at that table so that we can do amazing things. That's all. And that's the next Preach. step to integration. Like Integration was about tolerance, and I think that that was a very poor thing to articulate all this years. We need to show tolerance towards each other. No, we don't. I don't want you to tolerate me. I, I, I need you to want to work with me. I need you to right. want to work with me, not right. do it because you feel you have to. Um, and I think that's what this step is, that these movements, because there are many movements happening right now, we're going towards what you guys mm-hmm. are calling mm-hmm. togetherness. Mm-hmm. And you tolerating me is you showing up, you mm. physically being here. I need you to be emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. present as well. Amen. Come on, Feel guys. It. Great show. <laughs> It's because we're getting close to Christmas. It's just getting close to Christmas, guys. Shirley Caesar? Come on, now. My hip hop titles. Okay. Maybe I'll find like U N I T Y, maybe. Okay. No, um, stand up, do a stand up for what's right kind of thing, man. So maybe some Bob Marley. Oh, yeah. If you want to get serious. Or stomp. Kirk Franklin, stomp. Hey. That's kind of a that's kind of a rap song, to me. Is, is it? Yes. Gospel track, gospel The rap. one with salt on it. When oh, salt hey. raps on it. Yes. No. Okay, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Nisha. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for being you. here and hosting us. This was stuff. fun without beer or whiskey. This is actually the first episode that we've been sober. I don't yes. remember the last time the I've been sober. Ep- yeah, I'm really disappointed in all of you. I'm very sorry. I did promise Hennessy and I failed. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why I'm not a producer. <laughs> yep. This is why you're a <laughs> <laughs> And so on this note, we're going to leave, and I'm going to go home and finish my month of timesheets. Uh, you need to get your whole life together. I, you, I know whose team you wouldn't be working on, mine. I wish you would not do your timesheet for a whole month. Team no timesheets. <laughs> the hell? Oh, All so right, you don't want to get paid. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, well, that's, that's the beautiful thing about salary. Like, you're just going to get paid regardless. The benediction, please. <laughs> the benediction. <laughs> And on that note, uh, we're going to close out. Guys, we have one more episode for this season. Uh, Shout out to all you people who've been listening for... 16 episodes, almost 17. Shout out to y'all. I feel like this is the longest relationship I've ever had. (laughs) I really appreciate all of you for holding me down, staying (laughs) here. Y'all real dope-ish. And we hope a New Year's resolution is submit questions, comments, stories. Yes. Follow Please. us on Twitter, Ask Mix Company. The, the email. It's all you, you know, spelling be silly. You can email <laughs> us at askmixedcompany at gmail.com. That's A S K M I X E D C O M P A N Y at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at the same exact goddamn name. A S K M X I M I X E D. Oh my god, none of y'all can <laughs> I can't. It was like a song. I just said be exceptional. But we look, but we ca- clarified it. It don't mean perfect. It don't mean perfect. Ask Mix Company. You can follow us on Twitter. We look forward to chatting with you guys, seeing you guys, um, and, and being with you for our last episode. So
Thank you. Peace.